Good morning. Wasn't that fun? We had a great grand opening a few weeks ago with seven inches of snow on the ground. People still showed up. It was pretty awesome, right? Were you here for that? Just by a show of hands, if you were, you braved the weather. Hey, just kind of give yourself a pat on the back, man, that you made it that day. That's pretty awesome. My name's Matt. Good morning. I have the opportunity to be one of your pastors, and I want to start this morning with a joke because, as you know, I'm the funniest person you'll ever meet, right? True, right? (laughs) So uh, it's a blonde joke because I'm here to offend people, all right? Three blondes die on the same day, okay? Uh, Aw, right? They go to the pearly gates. There's St. Peter. He says, ladies, I'll let you in if you can answer one question. They say, give it to me. Looks at blonde number one, and he says, what is Easter? She says, oh, that's the day where we gather around the table and eat turkey and mashed potatoes. Eh, sorry. Wrong answer. Second blonde, what is Easter? Oh, that's the day where the big guy comes down the chimney. And we spend the rest of the time opening presents and playing all day. Ain't wrong, and that's not even what Christmas is about, and it's another conversation, he says, all right? Looks at the third blonde and says, what is Easter? She says, that's the day that we celebrate that they put Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross, and they put him in the tomb, and then rolled the rock in front of it. And St. Peter's like, yes! But before he could even get out the yes, she says, and then once a year, Jesus comes out, and if we see his shadow, we have six more weeks of winter. <laughs> Fail. Now, that's hilarious, right? That's hilarious, and, and it's funny, but know that most of those jokes that you hear about how do we get into heaven, they're, like that joke is so bad theology, right? Like, don't go home and say, I really have to be able to define this if I'm going to get in, right? Bad, bad theology. Uh, but that's a joke. Here's a true story. If you are ever in my office, on my wall, I have a huge, it's like 8 by 10, 10 by 8, however you want to look at it, map of the KC metro area. Like, it's a big old honking map of Kansas City. And I, I, it's one of my favorite things in my office. I use it for some vision casting. I use it for some prayer opportunities. It's just, it's just a fun thing, right? And uh, when I ordered that, and we were kind of moving into this space, uh, when I ordered that map, I'm like, man, that's going to cost me a lot of money. That's going to be an expensive map because it's so big. And so when I called the guy and I went to order it, uh, the price was crazy cheap. Like, I couldn't believe how cheap it was. And I said that. I said, wow, man, that's a great price. I was expecting to pay a lot, lot more. And the guy's response to me was, oh, it is a lot more expensive, but I know you're a pastor, and so I'm giving you a heck of a deal because this is how I get into heaven. And I didn't know what to say because I really wanted the deal. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I said, well, I don't know if that's correct. But I appreciate your generosity, right? And, and, but that story and that joke, it points us to a uh, really, really big question that a lot of people are interested in, whether you're a Jesus follower or not a Jesus follower, and that is the question, how do I get into heaven? Right? How do I get into heaven? And this week in our Believe book, which I believe if you were in the room, uh, Pastor Jake talked about one of our elders. If you're here and you're like, man, I don't understand. I see this stuff Believe. I'm hearing about it. I'm seeing people carrying this book around. Like, I, the reason I want you to bring this is because we use this uh, through our teaching time. But also if you're new and you're like, hey, I don't really know what's going on here, I would say ask your neighbor. Right? So neighbors in the room, people who call New City Home, I'm going to let you be the evangelist and the shepherd on how to get people connected to this book, where they can buy it and how they can get involved 
involved in a Believe City group because right now, for the first time in a long time, as a church body, from the old people down to the little people, we're all reading the same thing. We're studying the same scriptures. And so this past week, on your own, you've read chapter three of the Believe book, which focuses on salvation. Then you went to maybe a Believe City group where you were able to discuss those things. And today, I'm going to put a bow on it and kind of talk about the things that jumped out to me. Is that cool? And so if you've yet to engage us in those things, I would encourage you to talk to a neighbor and find out more about this book, and I'll let the church body do the heavy lifting. Amen? Amen. That means so be it. Let's get it going on, right? So how do we get to heaven is the question, but chapter 3 doesn't ask it that way. Chapter 3, uh, ask, uh, ask it a different way, because honestly, if you were to walk up to me and you were to say, hey, Pastor Matt, how do I get into heaven? The short answer without any explanation is this. You need a relationship with God. That's the short answer right? How do you get into heaven? It's through a relationship with God. That's the short answer. Chapter three unpacks that because the question that follows then is, well, okay, great. How do I get a relationship with God? And that's the question we're going to unpack this morning. And so how do I have a relationship with God? We're going to start with this phrase that I've heard way too much. Some of young dudes still, I'm in my early forties, but I've been in church for a long time right? And I've, taught, I have, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of Christians, and I hear this common phrase that I'm just going to go at this morning, okay? And the common phrase is this. It's the statement that people make where they say, well, I've always been a Christian. Like when you talk about having a relationship with God and the person's response is, and listen, maybe you've said, this, this, you've said that before. I'm not trying to pick a fight with you, okay? But I do want to speak some truth into that statement because I hear it way too much. When we talk about having a relationship with God, when the person responds, oh, well, Matt, I've always been a Christian. I've always had a relationship with God. The problem with that statement is that you can't support it with Scripture, right? And that's why we're doing this belief study. This is why we're reading things together is so that you know what you believe and why you believe it. Because a lot of times when you're asked, when you're maybe pressed about the things that you believe say about God, oftentimes we say words like this, well, I think, or I was told, or I heard right? And those are statements that I've used for much of my Christian life. But how good is it when I'm able to say, when someone's able to say, Matt, why do you believe that? Where I can go, well, the scriptures say, or the Bible teaches, right? Like you want your faith to be built upon, not opinion of the culture or opinion of a church, but on the foundation of God's word, which is chapter four, the Bible. So we're going to read this week. I encourage you to get the bleed book. We're going to talk about scriptures that point to the truth found in God's word. But today, we're going to build upon that, know what you believe and why you believe it. And so this statement of, well, I've always been a Christian, it just doesn't hold up when you press it through the filter of Scripture. I want to give you two kind of starting points as you process this, because it could be a good learning for us in the room if that has been your response. And the first one is Romans 5.12, okay? So we're going, to build, we're going to build a foundation today of learning on answering the question, how do I establish a relationship with God? And my goal is to explain it in such a way that one, you understand it, but two, you could also explain it. So here's what I want you to think, okay? So uh, mamas and daddies, adults, eyes on me for a second, because here's my goal. What if tomorrow at your workplace or tomorrow in your neighborhood, you knew without, for complete certainty that your coworkers, your boss, a neighbor was going to walk up to you and ask you this question, how do I get into heaven? Like today, let's just pretend that you knew that tomorrow that was going to happen. So lean in this morning and learn from God's word. Not, don't, oh, please don't say, well, my, my pastor says, right? God's word teaches this, right? And so here we go. Let's build the foundation for what we're going to stand upon. Romans 5.12, uh, Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, when Adam sinned, 
Sin entered the world. He's talking about Genesis. He goes back to the very first book of the Bible. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone what? Let's all get on the same page this morning. Raise your hand if you've ever sinned. Yeah, right? Both hands back in the back by Greg Peterson, right? Yes. Yes. Everybody, so we're all on the same playing field. Everyone in this room has sinned. Everyone. Well, the question is, well, did it start out that way or did I turn bad? Did I start out good and then along the way become bad? Well, let's look at the, King David speaks to this in the Old Testament. If you look, like if you were to open your Old Testament kind of halfway through, you're going to turn to this book called Psalm. In the book of Psalm, chapter 51, King David pins this poem. He says this, have mercy, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Notice this next part. For I was born a... Let's read that together. For I was born a... Yes, from the, moment my, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. So how was David born? He was born a sinner. And the same is true for us. And I, as I was reading this scripture this week, here's what I was thinking about. I don't know what it's like to parent your kids, but I've got three, right? And I do my best to teach my kids to do the right thing because they are effective and efficient at doing the bad stuff, Right? My kids don't need any help, any training in being disobedient. Are your kids the same? Better yet, were you the same? Yeah, we don't need help, right? Like we learn the no, like the first word we say is no. And the second word we say is mine. We got to beat that out of kids, right? Well, something like, hey, slow down that, right? Like I, like, but we, we, we don't start out good and then turn bad, right? We are all born separated from God, Right? That's what the scripture teaches. So I want to give you three phrases this morning, right? Phrases that you can remember, phrases that are super simple, phrases that might roll off the tip of your tongue. Here's the first one. Are you ready? It's just two words. Sin separates. Will you say that with me? Sin separates. So when we're building the foundation on what does salvation look like, how does someone have a relationship with God, here's the first thing that we have to know is sin separates. One more time. Sin separates. Now there's going to be pop quizzes throughout today's entire message, right? So remember those two words because we're going to keep we're going to keep coming back to it. Now, sin separates. Now, because sin separates, we have to refer back to our key question. The key question is how do I establish a relationship with God? How does someone establish a relationship with God when sin does what? Right. So in the beginning, like Adam and Eve had this perfect relationship with God. They were super tight, unified. They were completely with God until Adam chose to sin. In the moment that Adam sinned, guess what happened? There was a separation because sin separates. And so ever since that time, we've had to deal with this sin issue that we see God. It's like, it's like being, at a, being at, a, at, a, at a party. And from across the room, there you see him and there's God. And when you, there's something about God, like, man, I want to get over and talk to him. I want to get over and introduce myself to God. But there is something in between you and God. What would that thing be? 
sin. And it's separating you getting over there. And man, and you, try, you try to get focused on God. You try to stay locked in. But it seems that there are so many distractions. There's so many temptations. There's all this food and we go over this way. There's just all of these things that as we try, as we try, as we try to get over to God, we can't do it. The prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, it's not on the screen, The prophet Isaiah says this, he says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. You see God and you want to be with God. There's something interesting in your life about God, but we just keep getting led astray. We each go our own way, right? We we all do this. We chase after other gods, little g gods. We chase after wealth and we go after building our kingdom, building our homes, building our things, right? We, we go after all of these things that we think we need that will fulfill us and make us happy. Yet once we get them, once we've obtained it, we go, wow, this isn't what I thought it would be. And I better build a bigger thing. I better get a newer thing. We're all like sheep. We've all gone astray. We've each pursued other things. Amen? So be it. That's the truth, right? What about what David says? I mentioned King David earlier in Psalm 51. But notice this one, what David says. He said, God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good. Not a single one. And man, we want to get to God. But there's all of these things in the way. we got a problem, would you agree? we got to identify the problem. Some of us have never really thought, wow, there is a problem. And it's the problem is that sin separates. So what do we do? I mean, there's this word, right, that we can lean on called, uh, we sometimes we say that, that I was saved. Like we need to be saved. We need to, be, we need to experience something that helps us get across the room. And this is the beautiful thing about the God of the Christian Bible. This is the beautiful thing about the God that we serve. All other faiths, you know what they tell you? You better try harder. Chuck, you better, truck, you, better, you better get to work, brother. More push-ups, work harder. Jay, you better give more. So, I mean, all the other gods say, you, it's on you. Listen, God says, I'm over here, these little G-gods, and people, if you want to get to me, then you better have a better effort. Andy Black, you better try harder if you're going to get to me. The beautiful thing about the God that we serve is he doesn't do that. The beautiful thing about the God of the Bible, and like, do your research on other faiths. Every other one says, hey, you better try harder to get to me. You better give up more. You better sacrifice more, but not our God. Our God says, I know, man, I see you too. I see you over there, and I know that you're trying to get to me, but here's the, you can't. But guess what? Our God says, I'm going to come to you. Our God says, I'm going to come to you. So here's the second phrase, okay? Second phrase is this, salvation is the solution to our separation. It's like a little song. Salvation is our solution. To our separation. Curtis, put words right. Salvation. We're going to sing it next week. It's going to be a top ten on Caleb, right? Let's check this out. Salvation is the solution to our separation. Will you, will you kind of sing it with me? Salvation is the solution to our separation. I'm going to keep doing this until everybody does it, so we're just going to hang it right. Salvation is the solution to our separation. I mean, I've been singing this all week. Salvation is the solution to our separation. So sin, what? Separates. So how do we get there? Well, salvation is the solution to our separation. Man, salvation. Salvation is the solution. We were saved, right? We were saved. If you were to Google the word salvation and look for dictionary.com and define it, here's what you will find. Salvation simply means this. Deliverance from harm, ruin, or what's that last word? Loss. 
Salvation is a deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. On your very best day, sin separates you from God. Meaning, there's not a person in this room, there's not a person in this room who is spiritually strong enough to be reconciled to the Father on your best day. Sin separates. But God loves you enough that he becomes our salvation. Jesus says it like this in John 3, 16. Verse 16 and 17 is probably one of the most popular scriptures of the entire Bible. And sometimes we know it, we repeat it, but we forget who said it. So this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And notice what Jesus says to Nicodemus. He says, for this is how God crossed the room. This is how God loved the world. This is how God loved you. Insert your name. For this is how God loved Maria. For this is how God loved Rick. For this is how God loved Carrie. For this is how God loved. Look what he did. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son to the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. God loved you so much Understanding that on your best day, you couldn't get to him because sin separates. And God knew that salvation was the solution to our separation. That God loved Jamie so much, loved Matt so much, loved us so much that he sent his one and only son. In John chapter, I think, 1, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to be our salvation. Salvation has a name. And his name is Jesus. That's our third phrase, right? Our third phrase this morning is Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our, let's make it personal. Say my instead of our. Jesus is, now some of you think this is so basic. You know what? It is the foundational, fundamental truth of becoming into a right relationship with God. It's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But let's understand our dilemma. Let's understand our problem. Sin separates for every one of us. But salvation is the solution to our separation. And thank God above that he sent his one and only son not to come wagging his finger telling you all the bad things you've done. I've talked to two people this week who grew up in very fundamental churches where they were raised on the wagging finger God. Anybody else grow up in a church like that, in a family like that, where it's very black and white? Boom, and you just walk around, and you, and you, you viewed God as some authority figure that's always going to be in your grill telling you what you messed up. But the scriptures teach that God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn you, but rather to save you, to rescue you. Jesus doesn't come with a pointed finger. He comes with an outstretched hand. And look, this is so key. He does this because you need to be what? It's the S word. You need to be what? Saved. Like some of us, we have to recognize that you're lost and that you're on the path to destruction and that you're in trouble and that on your best day, you can't make it right and you have to identify your need for a savior. Like, man, this is so, for some of us, this can be so humbling and so hard because we are a I'm going to get it done kind of guy or you're I'm a get it done kind of girl. And man, here's, the, here's what I believe and what I've been praying for this church body all week is I know two things. I believe two things about God's character. Only God can convict of sin and only God can draw people to himself. This morning, it is not my job to, 
to create in you some type of sin. But I will say this, in this moment, if you're sensing the Holy Spirit's conviction, not guilt, but conviction, man, know this, that Jesus will send into the world, not to tell you how bad you are, but to say, hey, I see your dilemma, I see your plight, and guess what? I can save you, I can rescue you. Not with a pointed finger, but an outstretched hand. And he invites you into a very simple thing. Will you follow me? Which is a really fun way to say, will you come into relationship with me? Will you walk with me? Will you join with me in where I am going? Not me, Pastor Matt. God says to us, will you follow me? Will you do life with me? Because Jesus is our salvation. Would you say that last one with me again? Jesus is our salvation. Now let's make it personal. Jesus is my salvation. Now, if you believe that this morning, we come to our key idea from chapter 3 of this book. And the key idea of chapter 3, maybe you haven't memorized, right? But if you don't, it's going to be on the screen. But here's the key idea that we've been talking about and reading about from this, these past seven days, and it's this. I believe a person comes into a right relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Can we read that together? That's a little harder to memorize, right? But let's read that together. I believe a person comes into a right relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I believe why, no, why you believe and why you believe it. I believe that a person becomes into a right relationship with God through relationship in Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is my, what? Salvation. And I need to be saved because sin has separated me from the Father. Now, this is really good because um, I, don't, I don't think anyone in this room, uh, generally speaking, has argued so much with what I've said so far. Right? Most church going people understand that, believe that, have some like agreement that you agree with that. But let's let's not stop. Paul says this about in Romans chapter five, six through eleven, concerning what we just read. Romans five, six through eleven, Paul writes, When we were utterly helpless, ain't that fun? Think of the time in your life when you were utterly helpless. Can you think of those times in your life where like you were just a mess? Anybody ever been a mess before? Everybody ever felt like you were without hope? Did, have you ever been in a time where somebody in your life was looking at you and they thought, man, you're just a big dummy? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, right? I mean, most of us at some point have been times in our life where we've been utterly helpless. And here's what Paul says. When you, when I, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Like, I know there's so many of you in here who would just take a bullet for me, right? But Paul's setting the stage, right? It's like, you, you might die for somebody who you respected. And then we have a great appreciation for our military who risks their life all the time for a bunch of knuckleheads in our great nation, Right? But Paul's setting the stage that most people, the average person, isn't going to give up their life for someone else unless maybe they're extremely, extremely good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Here's the beauty about your story. God doesn't wait till Janet gets her life in order before he says, hey, I'm going to be your salvation. God doesn't wait for Allison to get her life in order before he becomes her salvation. While you were still a knucklehead. Thank you, Lord. That in our sin, right? But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, what makes us right in God's sight? What is the thing that saves you? It's the blood of Jesus. It's his sacrifice on the cross. 
So let's read this again. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, because Jesus is our salvation, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us, what's those last three words? Friends of God. Friends of God. Like you, get to, you are a friend of God because of what you believe about Jesus, that he is your salvation, and that it is you establish the relationship with the Father through this person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, here's the deal. Like if you believe that, catch this. If you believe that, you are a friend of God. And some of you don't know that. Some of you think you are a laborer of God. That you are a person who has to go out and continue to earn your salvation based on your good behavior. And by the way, I want you to have good behavior. I want you to represent well. I want you to have a good look when people out there, they, know, they see your salty life. They see that you're the light on a city on a hill. They see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. But it ain't because of your good deeds. Because of the Father's love for me, because he sent his son Jesus to be my salvation. Because of that, man, I get to. I don't have to. I get to. Why? Because I'm a friend of God. And because I'm a friend of God, guess what? I want my friends to be happy. I want, my, I, want to, I want to align my life with my best friend, Jesus. Not because I have to, but because I get to. Now, like I said, most of us believe this. Here is where some of us get off course. It never goes from here. Now, check this out. It never goes from here to here out of that. Are you with me? It, it has a hard time going from here to your heart, to bubbling up out of your mouth. But Paul writes how we get this, right? I want to read it to you, then I'm going to spend the rest of my time, four minutes, talking about this. Romans 10, 9 and 10, Paul says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now, I want you to catch this, all right? Now, I'm going to talk to the guys, because I'm a guy, I can't help it, I think like a guy. And I remember what it was like for me as a guy when I was trying to work up the courage to tell this pretty girl, Jen Wells, that I really liked her. I thought about it for a long time. And I was a nervous wreck to tell her. Any other guys can, not with my wife. I hope you don't tell my wife that. But like, think back on your wife. I really got to tell Jen. <laughs> don't. We got problems, right? All right. Don't let the lead pastor tag fool you, right? All right. I got no problem starting a prison ministry. All right. So here's the deal. I told you I'm the funniest guy you'll ever meet, right? All right, so it's a rabbit. Okay, here's the deal. I had to get over my fear of telling her how much, how, how pretty I thought she was because it made its way in my heart and it's all I could think about, right? Until I finally got up the courage to say, I like you. I think you're really pretty, right? It's the same thing with your relationship with God. There's something spiritually about us, his creation, that we start thinking about it, and then your heart starts pounding, and your palms get sweaty. Even right now, you're experiencing this. I believe this for some of us. And the invitation is, will what you believe in your heart, will it bubble up out of your mouth? Since we moved into this space, there's 150 new people worshiping at New City Church. It's kind of fun, right? And we brought about 380 over with us from the theater. And we're a people who have, a, I think, a head for Jesus 
that I think it's made its way into our heart. But I want to give us an opportunity to actually step into Romans 10, 9, and 10 and say from our heart out of our mouth. And so this is the declaration. The declaration is, Paul says, if you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be. Notice that promise. That if, 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 if what you say you believe, if you confess with your mouth, openly declare, that's what that means, if you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Why? Because it's believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Like, God, I am with you. Like, I mean, you, you've got my heart. Woo! Right? But I'm scared to tell you. Paul says, don't stop at believing. Don't stop because it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved now here is the miss in the Christian church I believe this it's not a one time profession man I have been professing Jake I've been professing this for uh, much of my adult life because it's a reminder because my flesh likes to pull me astray Right? My, your flesh wants to pull you back to that addiction, wants to pull you towards that bad behavior. And I have to remind myself what I believe about my God. And so I want to, I want to give this to us today. And here is simply my, procla- my, my proclamation, my confession, is I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my salvation. It's there on the screen. I believe, and I wanna, I, I, can I just tell you guys as your lead pastor, that one of the things that's most important about me, before I'm a husband, before I'm a father, before I'm a friend, before all these things, is that I believe And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord, he's my boss, he's the one that leads me, and he's my salvation. And I want to invite you this morning to proclaim that with me. I want to invite you, if the Lord is leading you in this direction, would you proclaim that publicly with me? Would you, do you love God enough to get it out of your heart and through your vocal cords and willing to confess it to other people? We're going to do this together for those who want to. We don't have you mic'd up. You can move your mouth and fake me out. This ain't about me. But this is about maybe, here's what I know. There are many in this room that you've never said it. But you've really liked God for a long time. But you know what? When I told Jen that I liked her, now I had to show it. Now I had skin in the game. Are you with me? And so I want us to move from an emotional attachment to God to a public confession that he knows it, you know it, and they know it. Amen? So on the count of three, we're going to say this together, and then we're going to go a little deeper with it, okay? One, two, three. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my salvation. I want to say it again. Listen, well, Matt, I think it. Paul doesn't say to think it. Paul says to confess with your mouth. So let's do it one more time. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my salvation. Now, I haven't asked for you today. Okay, because this is why we gather. Like our mission statement at New City Church is to inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus. If today was the very first time, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, I don't care how many times you've come to church, I don't care about any of those things. If today was the first time that you've ever publicly professed that, even though it wasn't a group setting, I want you to tear off that connect card. It was on your, it was on your bulletin insert. And on the back, it says right here at the bottom, I choose to follow Jesus. You gotta tell me. And here's why you have to tell me. This is why we exist. This is super encouraging to me. If today was the first time that you've ever publicly told people out loud that you trust Jesus to be your Lord and your salvation, like, you got to celebrate that with me. You, like, listen, that, that's why we do what we do. Now, here's the, so if, you're the, if it's the first time, whether young or old, that you've ever professed that publicly, it's the first time, I want you to check that. But if you look right underneath this, it says, I am coming back to Jesus. 
If some of you in this room, it was a faith you grew up on, to be quite honest, you wandered away. And your faith has been something that you kind of refer back to. It's not a currently a present context for you. Man, but yet today you are sensing the Holy Spirit say, it's time for you to come back. It's time for you to recommit to this relationship that you started with me so long ago. If today's the day you're like, man, you professed that and you meant it and you haven't professed it in a long time and you've kind of gone your own, you've been like that sheep who's gone away. Man, would you check that second dot? Because the scripture says that people in ministries who are a part of people returning to God, that there's a good reward. There's a special blessing for that thing. And I love being a part of people's stories when they come back to God. I love being a part of the team that's getting people to come back to Jesus. Amen? So listen, if you did one of those two things, would you please bless the snot out of me and our ministry by just letting us know? Don't keep it to yourself. Celebrate that with somebody. I want to pray for you this morning, and we're going to continue on in our service. Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? Not because it's spiritual, because we're going to talk to God for a second. No one's looking around except me. Band's coming up on stage. But if you were here this morning and you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, would you just throw that hand up so I can just say thank you, Lord? If today was the first time you prayed that publicly, if you were here this morning and you said, Matt, I prayed that because I'm coming back to God, I've kind of gone my own way, would you just throw that hand up? I'm returning to Jesus this morning. I profess that and confess that. Amen, I see those hands. God bless you guys. Let us know that. Jesus, you are our salvation. You are the solution to our separation. And Father, I thank you that there is no longer a gap between me, us, and the Father, that you have walked us across the room. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Was today a good day for you? Was today a good reminder of God's great love for you? And if it was a refresher, if it was a refresher, man, listen, it was not wasted. Man, today as you're driving, man, give God thanks for how much he loved you. Give God thanks for how he has redeemed your life and how he has rescued you. And give him thanks. In just a moment, we're going to sing together. We're going to end in worship. But I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward at this time. And we're going to continue in our worship as we choose to be generous. We choose to be generous to God through our tithes and offerings. And, and here's the thing that I want to celebrate with you. And I want to make a clear ask. Okay? I want to, I want to try to make a better, do a better job of making a clear ask of you financially. If this is the place where you call home, I mean, God is doing some really fun stuff here. But I'm asking some of you, like I said, we have 150 new people coming. If you have yet to join us financially, I'm asking that you do it. I'm asking that you begin to fit New City Church into your budget financially. And I would love for you to take steps toward the tithe if you could do that. Over in the, I was over at the theater the other day. I had to drive by there, the dry cleaners. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so weird that's where we used to be. Like you ought to drive by there. It just feels so small. And it seems like a lifetime ago that that's where we were. God has increased our influence so much already. And in doing so, I have to look at you and I have to say, listen, I need you to partner with us financially. I need you to partner. Am I talking to you? Yes. I'm talking to all of us. Like if this is your church, if this is where you go to worship, then I'm asking you to partner with us financially because it's your church. It's where your friends are coming. It's where you are bringing people to. And so when we pass these plates, that's one way that you get to partner with us as you choose to give financially. We have a couple of ways that we do that. There's a, there's a slide up here behind me because I don't have cash on me any longer. I never carry cash. But we have the text through our app and we have text through and text in church giving. 
Like we do that because we know that technology is the way that a lot of people give stuff these days. But I'm asking you as clear as I can, partner with us. Don't assume, oh, they're fine. Listen, this is bigger and more effective and it's bigger and more expensive, all right? But man, God is doing good stuff. Join with us in that. And here's the deal. Only the Lord can, I can bring it up, but only the Lord inspires you to give. I believe that. And so I want to pray for you in your generosity that God would mess with your wallet like he's messed with your heart. Amen? And a lot of times the wallet's the last thing that follows. I get it, right? God, you can have all of me except my wallet, right? But what does it look like to partner with New City financially? So Jesus, we love you. Thank you for salvation. Oh my goodness, will you help us trust you with the things in our lives such as money? God, let us trust you with the resources that you give. We love you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.